Our evenings uh, for the past few weeks have been uh, focused in the uh, letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. We call it Galatians. It's um, in the New Testament, Acts Romans, 1 2 Corinthians, Galatians. So that's just sat nav directions if you're using paper. Uh, if you want to find it or follow it on the screen, please do so. It's chapter 5 and verse 1 to 12. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. This is kind of apt for the marathon day, isn't it? <laughs> you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators... I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Gosh. All right. Good old Paul. So, uh, Tony, our dear friend and um, brother Tony, is, um, has he's been serving the Lord for lots of years. I won't try and name them. Uh, but you've been lead in leadership and uh, preaching and teaching in many places. And uh, you've... You, you st- preached on Galatians from time to time, and uh, when Tony knew that we were going to be uh, in, in, in Galatians in our evening service, he sent me a poem you wrote. I'll let you introduce it. Okay. If you want. Yes, I would. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Edward. Good evening. <laughs> About 25 years ago, actually, I shared a platform with another ministry, at a Bible week, a Pioneer Bible week. I think it was down on the Exeter showground. Um, And we were asked if we would take five early morning slots on Galatians at eight o'clock in the morning for those who didn't sleep very well or whatever. So we did, and we met beforehand just to talk about how we go about it. And it fell to my lot on the first day to introduce the idea of the book, what it was about. And I had this idea of writing a a poem, um, which I've never done before, and I have never done since. Uh, You may understand why in a moment. (laughs) Um, 
So here it is, basically. I, I, I kind of set out to do Adrian Plath style, and I, I, I hasten to add that's where the any similarity ends. Here we go. It's called, um, oddly enough, the Galatians. The Galatians were an unusual bunch, not unlike us lot. They started off with quite a bang, and then they went to pot. It seems that Paul evangelized the region of Galatia. They welcomed him with open arms, and God was big in Asia. The news he brought was pretty good. Party time was here. It set them free from loads of junk, and life went up a gear. Jesus was the one Paul preached. Messiah crucified. Forgiveness, freedom, friendship, all were theirs because he died. There were no rules and regulations, just the Holy Spirit. New power within that freed them up to live and to inherit. You'd think with all their newfound joy, they'd never want to swap. Until the legal eagles came and caught them on the hop. In one hand was the big black book. A bread knife in the other. You must obey the law, they said, especially you, my brother. <sighs> it's true, it hurts a bit, they said. But think how chuffed you'll feel, how proud you'll be to know that you kept your end of the deal. Unfortunately, they fell for it, and law squeezed out the fun. And life became a lottery. They played, but never won. Spontaneity grew scarce as freedom took its leave. The focus switched to impressing God, his favor to receive. Life turned to sweat and puff and grief that come from forcing things. Gone was the peace, the rest, the joy that only Jesus brings. One day, a letter came their way. Guess who it was from? Paul had heard the latest news and went off like a bomb. To say he got a mite upset would be to understate it. He cried, this gospel isn't good news at all. It's rubbish, and I hate it. Have you forgotten whom I preached? Or the cross where Jesus died? Or Abraham who walked by faith and so was justified? Did your new life begin this way? 
working hard to please? Or was the Holy Spirit poured out to bless you on your knees? Christ has set us free to live, to love, to serve, to choose. His Spirit causes fruit to grow. This way we cannot lose. God redeemed us from the curse. Now I am a son. I call him Abba, Father, Friend, made new by grace alone. And so our story we must leave as Paul takes up the pen to add his painful signature in travail once again. This really happened. It isn't a tale like Disney's sweet Dalmatians. We have the letter, and I say, thank God for the Galatians. For sharing that, and uh, we honour you for your inspiration to us, Tony, and many of us. Thank you so much. So it uh, it forced me to to think a little bit about this passage. Uh, Phil and I had the the privilege this week of of being at the Open Doors Partner Church Leaders Gathering, and uh, we were delighted to be there and to represent you, our family, our brothers and sisters, and represent them with Open Doors and to hear from Open Doors about some of the ways that they are, they are serving. And in the room that we had, where we were gathering, worshipping and listening and, and talking, there was uh, something that we, they'd constructed, uh, a prison cell. And it was just at the side of the room, and it was barred doors and this um, tiny little window and corrugated roof and corrugated walls. And, and even the floor was kind of concrete. They'd, they'd uh, made this cell. I think it was a North Korean cell. Supposed to be. And uh, it's been around some of the, the, the Christian events festivals and people could write in chalk prayers. But it was there to sort of remind us, and there's a prayer that has been kind of used, and Phil, Phil used it this morning, about that kind of confidence, that trust in God who can turn cells, prison cells, into churches. There are sisters and brothers who are incarcerated, entombed, encased in jails and awful places, but are living free. That's an astonishing thought. And I, I kind of, from time to time over the week, over the two days there, just kind of looked at that and thought about it and wondered about it. And thinking about the passage that we are, uh, we've read this evening uh, that is towards the end of... Um, uh, of Galatians, one more chapter after that. And the opening verse uh, is one that um, I, I kind of meant to have memorized a long time ago, uh, but it, it's, uh, I'm not so used about memorizing, and it's got just a few too many words. You know, some verses are easy. 
Jesus wept. There you go. There's one for free. Uh, two words. Uh, but this one um, became a kind of memorable for me, and I can usually get the gist of it, because it was the first year anniversary of me becoming a Christian at a university Christian union house party. It's a long story and slightly bizarre that I was there in the first place. And uh, Jesus met me, and uh, not in kind of like Damascus Road, but he transformed my life. And then the year later, we went again, and the person that was speaking uh, was teaching from this verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And there's a great song that we used to sing in the 90s. Do you remember anyone? Some of you can't yeah, yeah, remember it. Anyone remember it? Kind of like, no, we won't do it now. But you kind of, you're like, everyone's going, what is it? What is it? We might do it later. Anyway. It is for freedom that Christ has said as we stand Firm. So where we've got to in Galatians is this. Paul, for the first four chapters, has, has kind of been writing out of love. I, I was talking about this a couple of weeks. He was talking to the Galatians because he really has compassion. We heard that in the poem that, that uh, uh, Tony read to say, when he heard that they had started to be distracted, that they had started to believe something else other than gospel, that, that it went off like a bomb. Paul uh, was so moved that he wanted to visit them again, but he wrote to them and said, what are you doing? He invests in it in, uh, in chapter 4, uh, as I preached a couple of weeks ago. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters. Uh, he said, I came to you. I, 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 you you kind of love me. I love you. I'm so concerned for you that you're turning away from, that all that he is writing stems from his love, his deep compassion to say, this matters. What we believe matters. What we do with the gospel matters. It shapes lives either leads us to Jesus or leads us away. It's a binary choice, either or. That, that too often in our 21st century world, we seem to think we live in this kind of ambiguity that we can choose and believe and, to, and kind, of, uh, kind of mix and match and it will all be fine. And Paul says, actually, no, something far, far more fundamental is at stake. It's, it's the gospel Jesus of eternity, of life, of, the, of, of all God's plans and purposes started way, 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 way back with Abraham and worked out through his offspring, the children of promise, to the Messiah Jesus. This matters. He pleads with them and he, he reminds them in the first four, four chapters and he says, this is the so what this is the gospel. This is Jesus. This matters. And out of that, in chapter 5, we now begin to work out, and this is the pattern so often in Paul's letters, the pattern is the presentation of the goodness of God, of what he has done, what he has accomplished. Who is Jesus? Writs at large, puts it out there, and says, this is in whom we believe. And then the so what? The what next? In other words, always the initiative of God, the gift, and in response to that, our task. Grace first, and our response in living. And Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom is one of those clarion calls of the gospel, one of the meanings of the cross. Redemption, freedom, rescue, new life liberation from slavery, freedom. It's for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Hallelujah. Fullness of life. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom. And freedom is one of those, those kind of powerful notions that shakes those who would want to control and want to gain influence. So in North Korea, they set up these little cells and imprison Christians because they are dangerous. And even though they may be incarcerated for long, long times, the bars need not necessarily rob them of the freedom that they have had and discovered. Uh, Ron, uh, our friend, Ron Boyd McMillan, who was with us last week, he was, he was uh, teaching about some of the things he's learned from uh, some of the leaders in the persecuted church. And he, talks, he talked about, uh, he made four points, but one of them was that he's discovered in those who've experienced very harsh persecution, long time, uh, at the sharp end of, of, of opposition and persecution. He said that he's discovered and sees in them across the world, whether that's in Islamic countries or, or Hindu countries or in the uh, secularist regimes like China, uh, he said a relationship with Jesus is personal for these believers. It's not about rules or regulations. It's not just about some general awareness. They love Jesus. And he told this story about, about uh, someone called Wang Ming Dao, someone who was uh, very kind of looked up to in the, uh, in the early church. And they, they locked him up. They put him in a cell. And he said, if, if, when everything else was stripped away, this, this uh, leader said there was a place of stillness where everything else is stripped out. And it's just Jesus and him. Solitary confinement for 23 years. It's a long time. And apparently at the end of 23 years, he was going to be released. And apparently from the jail that he was in, the Politburo, the leadership in Beijing, sent a message on the day of his release with these words, does he still believe? Forwards, does he still believe after 23 years? In other words, uh, as Ron was explaining it, if someone still knows Jesus after everything has been taken away for 23 years, there's not, nothing else we can do. He knew Jesus. Even though everything else was lost, family uh, of being in that one place without any liberty in human eyes. He was free and he still believed. He understood the power and the purpose of the gospel to believe. You see, for Paul, this is what matters. That some people had come along and had started to say to Paul, uh, to the church, to the believers in Galatia, you know, this, this gospel Paul has, has preached to you, it sounds really good, but it's not really true to the Old Testament. And we've seen how Paul has backtracked and said, actually, this is the, the truth that was revealed in the Old Testament, that Abraham heard the word of God and believed it and set out from his place in Ur and went on a great journey to the promised land. And, and indeed, the true children of Israel were always the children of promise because they trusted God at his word. They didn't try and do something. They didn't try and force it, the illustration of Hagar and Sarah and the offspring of Ishmael and 
uh, of Isaac. And again, it comes out in here, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That is one of the things that you could underline. There's a few of those in this passage. When I first read through the New Testament and the, and the Bible, I had a ruler and a red pen, and I would, because uh, of my, I, I couldn't, I thought it much looks much better to be neat, so I underlined things rather than kind of wonky lines. But this was one of them, 5-1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Then verse six, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Underline. This matters. But it's not a guarantee. It's not a certainty. See, again and again, Paul is saying, uh, don't, mark my words, I tell you, don't let yourselves be circumcised. Or you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? That when we embrace Jesus, we begin and we are set free and, uh, and we begin this new life. And it's brilliant. But we have to stand firm. In other words, we have to guard ourselves. We have to be careful that we don't get distracted or kind of swayed or it doesn't grow stale or we forget the wonder of the good news. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but stand firm then. Don't let yourselves again be burdened by a yoke of slavery. In other words, it's possible to start this race, to start embrace the gospel, to be born again, to be a believer, to have a genuine encounter with God and become a follower of Jesus. But that doesn't then sort of set you on a trajectory like a rocket that just goes off and, and it, that's its destination. That we have to be careful with what we believe of how we walk to stand firm in the truth because others will seek to sway us. Really, really very important. It, it came, kind of came home to me fairly recently in the summer as I, as I was talking with a, a friend in India and we were talking about sin and grace. He, he'd come over for the summer and we were spending time and we were talking about the gospel and, and we kind of got stuck on a particular issue. So in India, if you're a believer, you, uh, there's a real kind of strong encouragement to say, if you're a believer, you shouldn't drink. Don't drink alcohol. And the reason is an obvious one, that many people in India, without much income, buy alcohol, particularly the men, they get drunk, so they spend all the income from their um, earnings, and the families suffer. And very often, the, uh, the men, when they get drunk, kind of get violent and abusive and beat the children and beat the wives. And, and so the church has said, actually, it's really not wise, it's really not good to drink. But that kind of outworking of wise choice has kind of shifted from kind of wisdom of practical application of what it means to be countercultural to actually it shifted into a legalism. You see, chapter 5, verse 1 is astonishingly radical. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And all too often, we kind of go, really? It's for, Jesus has set us free, free from rules and regulations, free from having to do this and don't do that. I mean, I thought Jesus and Christianity was all about um, do this, do this, don't do that, thou shalt not. Thou shalt. I read the Ten Commandments recently, and it's like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And, that. and that's sometimes people's expectation of what it is to be a follower. Do and don't. Must, must not. But it's not. It's for freedom. That we are freed from the law. It's jaw-droppingly, astonishingly brilliant. 
It is really fantastic. And, and this is where it gets really radical for the gospel because we are set free from the law. It's not to say the law is rubbish, but Jesus has superseded it. It's for freedom. And as Paul goes on to say, you don't need to be circumcised anymore with a red knife. Thank the Lord. And he's kind of like, I think he's sort of serious but humorous. He says, you know, at the end, he said, why don't they just go ahead and do the whole lot? Emasculate themselves. You get the picture. You know, why a little bit? Go, you know, if you're going to prove your faith and you're going to prove how zealous you are for God, whop it all off. But that's the logic of legalism. Don't just do a bit, do the whole lot. It's freedom. So in my conversations with my friend from, from India, he was saying, you, ha- you mustn't drink as a Christian. Now he'd come to England and kind of was like, there's no Christians here. <laughs> They're all drinking. And I, I was kind of talking about, well, this is the astonishing thing of the gospel that, you know, what about if you went back to India and you said, you know, because often the question is, is asked of me by particularly the youth, do you drink in England? And I'm kind of really careful how I answer it. And he said to me, you have to be careful because if you say that you drink, they'll take that as a license to say, well, we can drink. And I had to say to him, you can. He's like, no, we can't because it leads to da-da-da. But it had become a kind of line in the sand. And I understood the rationale. And I'm not saying he was unwise. But it had become a law such that this was a definer of what it meant to believe or not. Not faith in Jesus. In other words, if you belonged, you did or didn't. Rather than I belong to Jesus now, I'll now seek to live in the light of that goodness. In the freedom that he gives of saying what is good, what is healthy, what is wise, what is good for living my life and witnessing for Jesus. Do you see the nuance of that? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. A huge motif of the gospel, freedom. One of the mandate uh, characteristics of Jesus from quoting from Isaiah 61 when he had started his ministry to release the captives, the Lord has raised me up, anointed me to preach good news, to set the captives free. The gospel, the, 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 gospel, the good news, uh, at the heartbeat of, of resistance movements of oppression is it that Jesus comes to set us free. In the civil rights movement that we celebrate in, in, uh, just last week in the anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In Abraham Lincoln's speech, in uh, the 1st of January, 19, uh, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation to three million slaves in America on the day to say that they would be released legally free, set free from the control, the ownership, the bonded labor of being a thing, an owned property into the dignity of renewed humanity. On the 1st of January, 1863, Three million slaves were freed. But by nightfall, only 20,000 had actually walked out. They didn't understand the freedom that had been given. God sets us free from the law and says, don't backtrack. 
verse two. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you. I, Paul, who risked my life in coming to the churches in Galatia. I, Paul, who love you. I, Paul, who spent time with you and encouraged you. I, Paul, don't tear up your freedom. It's all Jesus. Don't follow the false teachers. Simply believe. Courageous, courageous faith. It is for freedom. You see, the thing about that they kind of had stepped back in is that if, if you sort of step back from Jesus, the one who does it for us, you end up, as I, like I said, you know, about the emasculation, you know, just go the whole way. It's not just a little bit. Go the whole way. Go the whole hog. You can't have a little bit and grace. You either have legalism or grace. It's, it's, it's like chalk and cheese I mentioned last time. To try and illustrate it a different way. Um, I've kind of had, uh, Phil and Hermie um, told me this story. They, well, they had this experience a few years ago. Uh, and um, I received this in the post the other day. Some of you know it. It's, it's, um, it's got gold lettering on it. So is it important? It kind of came through the post with a very smart envelope. I wondered what the postman makes of it. And it says, The Lord Chamberlain is commanded by Her Majesty, that's the Queen, uh, to invite the Reverend Edward Ibbotson, very formal, to a garden party at Buckingham Palace. I know. Ooh. On Tuesday, the 15th of May, 2018, from 4 to 6 p.m. Look at that. I know, it's a little bit showy-offy, isn't it? You didn't, you did, so Phil has a whole like, ser- sermon series on it, though. <laughs> What's the point of this? Well, when on the 15th of May at 4 o'clock, I rock up to Buckingham Palace <laughs> in my shorts. No. If I didn't have my invite from the Lord Chamberlain. There's no way I'd get in, is there? I couldn't say, well, I've got some, you know, I've got some money and it's got a picture on it. Or I've got kind of like, I'm a British citizen. Can I get in? Or I can, I can, I can tell a good story. Or actually, if you let me in, I'll, I'll rake the leaves up afterwards. There aren't any leaves. Someone else has done it. What's my point? I can enter because I've been invited. And it's not through anything that I've done. I've not become good enough. I've not tried hard enough. I've not kind of earned a right to go. I've been invited. And if I went to the door and I tried to, to say, well, this is how I've, uh, how I've earned the way to be in, the, 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 the policeman say, no, no, go away, quickly, or we'll arrest you. You're not allowed in. But with the invitation to come in, I can go in. Not because it's me, but because it's come from the Lord Chamberlain on behalf of Her Majesty. And Paul is kind of like in that same way of saying, if you seek to try and prove to God that you are good enough, it just doesn't work. It doesn't cut it. It's never enough. It's never good enough. It just falls short. 
The gospel, the grace of God, is to say you're invited into freedom because God has won it for you. God has brought it for you. God has purchased you. God has won it. Jesus has won it on the cross. It is entirely his doing. Come in. You can come in. If you trust him, you believe in him. As he says in for, Christ, uh, for in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision or uncircumcision. Uh, it doesn't have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, gospel. But if you start to say, well, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to trust this invitation. I'm going to do it my own way, thanks. I've come up with some strategy on my own. It just doesn't work. You'll be sent away. And that's a bit shocking. But what Paul is driving and why it matters to Paul so, so much is that if we opt to go back to and says to the churches in Galatia, the believers, those people he loves, he says if we try to go back to the legalism of trying to do it ourselves, you end up on a really slippery slope because you never know if you've done enough Does that make sense to you? You never know if you've done enough. How do you know if you're relying on your own work, your own goodness, your own effort, your own kind of, well, I'll I'll, I'll go back to what I know God has said, the do's and the don'ts and and the fulfillment of every ritual and everything. I mean, if you don't do the whole lot of it, you failed. But if you start to kind of say, trying a little bit and saying, well, that I'm sure will just kind of impress God somehow, you kind of think, really? Well, I've done it once well, but then I've, I've kind of like I've fallen out with someone and I've, I've said something unkind. And, and it's like, does that, does that good outweigh the bad? I, I don't know. And you kind of end up in this whole like, ah. Paul is saying it's rubbish, it's stupid. He's done it. He set you free. Stand firm. Live in the light of that truth. It's radically powerful. See, for Paul, emancipation, this being set free from the tyranny of released, is just the beginning, it's not the end. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery of being imposed and told that it's a must and mustn't, a should and shouldn't. And of course we want to live out our faith, obviously. But it's not about rules and proving. It's about now love and responding to the grace of God. You're running the race. In other words, you know, we set out on that walk. Sometimes it's a, it talks about a walk. Sometimes it's about running the race. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? In other words, who took, took you down the dead end or the blind alley or the false route? There are people still who will want to do that. Who will seek to say it's Jesus and or Jesus plus or work harder. Paul wonderfully writes them, I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. He's great at just saying, look, I know you're, better, you're, you're more sensible. I mean, why would you give up on this? I mean, that would be really stupid. I mean, you know, I have every confidence that you'll see the error of your, brothers and sisters, um, you know, what's happened? Return to the right way. Courageous faith. Courageous faith. Read and trust, read and trust. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't be burdened 
again by a yoke of slavery. Freedom. Freedom from the tyranny and the oppression of rules that we could never keep. Break it once, it's impossible to undo. We'll never be good enough. Who wants to be burdened by that? Who wants to live under the pressure and the heaviness of knowing it's not enough? Thank the Lord for Jesus. He sets us free, declares us free, has won our freedom, has brought us back. Gospel. Let's pray together.